You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi everyone, welcome to Showreel on your community radio station 3CR. Today I am replaying an interview I did with writer-director Madeleine Mariniello on Solidarity Breakfast because her film Palazzo de Cozzo is a quintessentially Australian document. Palazzo de Cozzo is having its theatrical release tonight, Thursday the 25th of November, in all good alternative cinemas in Melbourne, Nova and Palace outlets. It documents the life and times of the larger-than-life character Franco Cozzo, furniture magnate in Melbourne, but also a symbol of the arrival of Italian migrants after the Second World War into a determinedly Anglo-white Australian storyline. G'day Madeline, how are you? Good, thanks, Annie. Oh, it's a great film. Thank you. Yeah, must have taken a lot of... I mean, tell tell us first about uh, how you became inspired to make a film to, that documents the life of Franco Cozzo. Well, I guess it was just one of those sort of light bulb moments. I sort of uh, was driving past the huge showroom in Footscray, you know, pretty imposing presence at the end of Barclay Street there and um, I guess I sort of sort of clicked like I thought why had no one told his story before but um, I guess what sort of drew the eye as a filmmaker was you know that image of that showroom with all that baroque furniture in the windows um, so I was just sitting there like um, a time capsule almost and I, I think that's what really did appeal to me sort of looking at um looking at it through the prism of this historical context um and trying to understand why Franco Cozzo became this pop culture icon but also what what his sort of aesthetic means and how um how it related to I guess migrant culture more generally in in Melbourne and in Australia yeah, and, and noting your uh, uh, surname, uh, Mataniello, y- your parents are also part of this diaspora? Um, yeah, so my dad's parents, they migrated here. Um, it's a, in the same year as Franco Cozzo, actually. Um, so they're southern Italian post-war migrants, um, yeah, who came here in the 50s. So obviously there was also that sort of, you know, curiosity on my part, I suppose, to sort of also understand, I guess, my heritage as well. And I sort of had, um, you know, it it really helped me form the relationship with Franco because there was that sort of shared cultural understanding, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a really incredibly important element in the film because, uh, I mean, he is a testament to, uh, testimony to uh, all of the uh, multicultural um, elements and f uh, the migrant fight for uh, a position in a very Anglo, um, you know, closed world, you'd say. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. I mean, like, 50s Australia was a pretty homogenous place. Like, um, of course, we'd have we'd have migrants, you know, for decades before that. But um, I guess the post-war migration boom was the time when there was such an influx that it really, um, you know, changed the makeup of, a, of Australia's population in a in a big way, like it hadn't hadn't happened before. Um, and and so, of course, it's sort of, you know, the age-old fight with every migrant wave and continues even today um, with new migrants. And so, yeah, he really, I think, part of the reason he became who he was and became so well-known is because he really made a splash because he was so different to um, what, I guess, mainstream Australia was used to. And his aesthetic, his persona was, um, yeah, really, um, really different and really, I guess, confusing on the one hand, but also engaging for people. Yeah, that's interesting because actually I think uh, previous history, uh, white Australian history is uh, a, a, a very strong lie in the sense that, I mean, even in my family, I mean, I've got it. I mean, in 1880, one of my ancestors is an Italian, right? And uh, yeah. there were people who uh, came from uh, Bavaria, right, who are also in my family line. And it seems to me that Australia was a melting pot, but they, uh, white Australia was a melting pot, but uh, the um, establishment, Anglo establishment, just had a very uh, sort of draconian tight rain and what seems to come out of this Frank Colcozzo picture is that the Italian onslaught and you know there were other uh, nationalities as well was so strong that uh, and he stood on TV he was such a masterful showman uh, that it, despite his faltering English he refused to be suppressed. Yeah no absolutely um, I think that that the, the fact that he, you know, spoke in his ads in Italian, in Italian. and also in Greek, like <laughs> even today, I think that would be kind of bizarre, you know? Like I think we, we sort of take it for granted in Melbourne because, you know, everyone knows the ads and knows he speaks in Italian, but it was a big deal to yeah. go on, yeah, television in, and speak in another language and, like you said, not, not be ashamed of it and not hide and not not be ashamed of his poor English skills. Like, you know, he goes on the Don Lane show and he he actually makes fun of his own, you know, yeah. poor English. Um, and that... It, it's also, fantastic. That, yeah. He's he's quite self-aware in terms of that, um, that part of his, I guess... Strategy. Persona. Like, he actually... Yeah, he he turns it around, and it actually becomes an advantage for him to, you know, um, have this sort of eccentric way of pronouncing, you know, Footiscray and um, Brunswick, and so it, it actually ends up working for him in this 
quite, I guess, at a time when, you know, Australia was was still pretty prejudiced towards European. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit like wogs at work, isn't it? It's owning, yeah. owning yeah. Um, the uh, uh, disparity, you know, the, the you know, the uh, insult. Yeah, and so they they come after Franco. So yeah. I feel like he paved the way for that second generation of you know European migrants to start sort of looking back at their parents, and you know they that second generation have like a different identity because they've grown up in Australia, but they've been raised by you know. Um, people who have come from other cultures and they can start to sort of make fun of, um, but also, yeah, like you said, own own that um, Italian or Greek or Macedonian um, background in a, in a different way. Se i migliori mobili dovete comprare, da Franco Cozzo dovete andare. Hey, Franco Cozzo drives a lot of people crazy Every day he's always on the television in Italian is a tell everybody on the telly come and see me I'll make you rich you try to watch a movie very soon he come on smiley very nicely blah 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 he don't finish se migliori mobili volete comprare da Franco Cozzo dovete andare a Nord Melbourne e foot scry hey what you say we not capish I say Nord Melbourne e foot scry comprate da Franco Cozzo <laughs> I had the shop in Italy, but I just couldn't stay. Everybody wanted the furniture and nobody wanted to pay. So I come to North Melbourne and the people used to say, Hey, Franco Cozzo, come down to put the spray. Hey, Franco Cozzo drives a lot of people crazy. Every day he's always on the television. He talks in Italian, he's a telling everybody on the telly, come and see me, I'll make you rich. You try to watch a movie very soon, he comes on smiley very nicely, blah blah blah, he don't finish. Se migliori mobili volete comprare da Franco Cozzo dovete andare, a Nord Melbourne e foot scry. Hey what you say, we not capish, I say Nord Melbourne e foot scry, comprate da Franco Cozzo. <laughs> I make the commercial and I like to sit down But the people are not silly, they know I'm not a clown I sell the best furniture and I never tell you lies And even Betty Davies got the Franco Cozzo eyes Hey, Franco Cozzo drives a lot of people crazy Every day he's always on the television He talks in Italian, he's a telling everybody on the telly, come and see me, I'll make you rich. You try to watch a movie very soon, he comes on smiley very nicely, blah blah blah, he don't finish. Se migliori mobili volete comprare da Franco Cozzo dovete andare, a Nord Melbourne e foot scry. Hey what you say, we not capish. I say Nord Melbourne and foot scry. Hi, I'm Ruby from Fitzroy Primary and you're listening to Community Radio on 3CR. You're with Annie on Showreel on your community radio station 3CR. We're talking with writer, director Madeleine Mariniello about her film Palazzo de Cozzo, The Life and Times of Franco Cozzo and how he symbolises the effect of Italian migration on the Australian scene after the Second World War. It's also fascinating too, of course, that, I mean, they're all, uh, he's from southern Italy uh, and from Sicilia, uh, uh, 
S- yeah. Sicily. So, I mean, if you have, I mean, I'm uh, Australian Anglo, I mean, you know, Mo, I'm more complicated than that. But the point is, I'm not from Italy. But if you go to Italy, you understand that there's a whole range of political and uh, cultural and uh, almost internally racist attitudes to different regions, right? That'd be fair to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, there's a big divide between the north and the south. Yeah, um, and the south is historically the more, um, I guess, working class peasant mm. um, poor background and poor, and also and exploited, um, exploited by the north for their labour, and also, um, also like there's a racial kind of um, prejudice there because the the south. Is I think Berlusconi was said to say that the below Rome is like um, almost part of Africa. Like <laughs> they, there's there's this like quite racist yeah. um, perception of the South too. Even yeah, just within Italy itself. So I suppose when people were relocating to Australia and then having a love affair with the Baroque uh, ornate furniture. Uh, once they came to Australia, this would have been quite a uh, a dream come true. That's what he was tapping into, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, like the people who were, became his customers in his heyday um, were, you know, all the new migrants, basically. And so, you know, they, most of them, wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to buy this furniture at home. Um, and so they've have come to a new country and they have, you know, worked really hard and put put money aside slowly. And, you know, one of the things a lot of them decide they want to spend their money on was, you know, Frank Ricotto furniture. And it really, I guess, um, you know, on the one hand, it was a, a, a sign to them, I guess, of having, you know, achieved what they had come to this country for, which is, you know, being able to set up a home in the image that they wanted it to be. And, like, I don't want to make it seem like it was just, like, a materialistic No, goal. no, I was going to say, it's awesome. more, wasn't it? It was yeah. much more. It's a lot deeper than that. It's more, I think, about creating a, a space that, you know, has, you know... Um, uh, like a, it's the loneliness too, and the loss of culture. I guess coming here. I mean, well, exactly. So that's like a connection to home for them as well. Um, and I mean, you know, it's been well documented that you know, for migrants, it's always, you know, there's always one one foot back home and one foot in the new culture. So and then you become a little bit lost, don't you? Yes. So neither nor. Think, yeah. What is it? Uh, yeah. Whatever yeah, that is, living in that in between. Yeah, um, uh, you must have uh, done a lot of research. I mean, yes, you've got personal history, but uh, one there's the uh, actual uh, documenting of his life, his individual life. But uh, there must have been broader uh, things that you were looking into as well. I mean, it's a very solid film, I'd have to say. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, um, of course, there's that migration history but I was also really interested in the history of TV in Australia um, because he actually came to Australia in 1956 which is the year that television also arrived Um, and so his 
sort of journey is in parallel with, you know, TV and which is now, you know, obviously on the decline and changing. Um, that, but that mainstream broadcast TV was really what allowed him to become so well-known. And so, yeah, I was quite interested in why and how um, he sort of managed to um, use that brand-new medium because he also, like, um, he started the first non-English speaking TV show. In the Australia. Variety Show. I know. I didn't yeah. even know that. That was fascinating. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. Like he um, he produced it and it was a um, variety show with Italian, young Italian migrants singing Italian songs. And once again, you know, SBS didn't exist at this time. There was no sort of, quote, ethnic programming. He just, you know, realised that, he, he loved music, but I think it was also a, another advertising campaign for him. And he had this half-hour show on for three years on Channel Zero, which became Channel 10. Um, yeah, and it was all, all in Italian. And so, once again, you know, people at home, mainstream Anglo-Australia would have been able to turn on the TV and it would have been there playing. And it was a window into another culture that hadn't been in the mainstream media before. Yeah, yeah, the fantastic uh, pieces of uh, choices in your um, in your pieces of footage, archival footage, but also the beautiful links, the music. The music's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I um, had a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun with the music. It's, um, there's a wide, wide variety in there, but I guess I just wanted it to reflect I guess the um uh, I guess the energy of Franco and his story and um obviously music is quite related to him as well because he started that music show but then he's also been the um the focus of a couple of songs as well like there was a song written um in the 80s about him which actually did really well and became really well known. And we've got the um, the writer of the song, Tony Curcio, um, in the film, sort of reflecting on um, that that journey for him writing that song. And then you know, there's this, even bands today. There's a young band called Franco Grosso, um, <laughs> and there's a great song by a band called The Argateers called I Want to Die in a Franco Cozzo Bed. So oh, yeah, fantastic. A, I wish I'd got a, that for the show. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So he's attracted like a lot of um, a lot of musical, uh, I guess, interpretation too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love the uh, device of going to people's places uh, like a set, a TV set uh, of people's houses where they're in love with that furniture and they've created a whole environment. That was such a great idea because I've yeah, always wondered something. how could you do it, you know, like, uh, you know, where does it fit? Yeah, yeah, no, or now now you know how people incorporate it into their homes. But yeah, yeah. I guess that was something I wanted to do from the very beginning. Like that was part of my original idea to not – not just make it about Franco, but to broaden it out and to sort of, um, yeah, have a have a look into people's homes because um, I think, you know, like I said, it's not just the material purchase. It also has a lot more um, meaning to the people who own it. And so I wanted to hear their 
their stories too. Um, yeah, but I, I loved going into the homes. That was one of my favourite parts. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, you wrote it, so you, you must have uh, really... And how long did it take you to make this film? Because um, it's a challenge, I would have thought. Yes, all I think all film all filmmaking is a challenge. Um, and, you know, documentaries notoriously take a long time to make because you're working in the real world with real people. But um, this one was about four years all up from the day I walked into Franco's store and pitched the idea to him and um, to, I guess, you know, that last day in the edit suite. So quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, quite a long time. But also you weren't the only person who thought it was a good idea. Um, there's quite a few people, who, uh, Screen Australia, Film Victoria, Shamil Films, the ABC, everybody was on your side. They really wanted to hear about Frank Kotsov. Yeah, I think, you know, it took a couple of years to um, raise the money to make the film. But I think, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, um, people un- understood that this was a, like a story that, you know, wasn't just a hyper-local story. It had, you know, more universal themes that would appeal to people beyond um, Melbourne and, you know, sort of stand on its own as a as a story about, you know, a pretty bold character who um, had a pretty unique position in Australian history, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's, it's going to be at the Nova uh, Yarraville Sun uh, Palace Pen- Pentridge, I always, uh, the whole idea of a cinema at Pentridge is so funny. Um, Lido, uh, Hawthorne, Classic, Elstonwick and Cameo, Belgrave. So you can go and go and see it and enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks for talking to me, Madeline. Oh, thank you so much, Annie. It's been lovely. That's it for Showreel this week. The cinemas are open. Take care. COVID is still lurking. Your mask is your best friend. Talk next week. Grandsile, Grandsile, Grandsile. Where? In Brunswick and Footscray. Franco Cozzo. Buy from Franco Cozzo. Megalo, Megalo, Megalo. Se puli buy from Franco Cozzo. Travesaria. I wanna die in a Franco Cotto bed. I wanna die in a Franco Cotto bed. I wanna die in a Franco Cotto bed. Wanna feel those silken sheets, stuff the wire beneath my cheeks, fall up my perching classic style. That's where I'll be when I'm gonna die. I wanna die in a Franco Cotto bed. I wanna die in a Franco Cotto bed. I wanna die in a Franco Cotto bed. Chandelier above my head, shining brightly on the bed. Exquisite looks, rolling touch. That's where I'll be when I bite the dust. I wanna die in a Franco Cotto bed. 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 I wanna die in a Franco Cotto bed.
il modernissimo Omni Campeon con Mango Cotto. Volete comprare oggi, domani e sempre? La Franco Cotto dovete andare. Dove? A Franzischi e Fuzzai. Comprate da Franco Cotto. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.